0: Welcome to the Fit Life with Jessica podcast, where we talk about how to create and maintain healthy habits with our fitness, nutrition, and overall well being. This is a place where you can come to get real life health and fitness advice from a busy working mama who has a passion for helping others find their way to health and happiness. We're all in this crazy journey together, so why not lean on and lift each other up in the process? Before we dive into today's episode, have you heard about my brand new monthly health and wellness membership called Thrive? There are so many amazing things happening inside the membership. Just to give you a few of the amazing perks of being in the club, you get access to weekly recipes sent directly to you. Yes, no more scouring blogs or Pinterest to find healthy recipes. You get two calls a month with me, your accountability coach. You've got recommendations for workouts, recommendations for podcasts, and easy access to me, your accountability coach. You can ask me anything at any time. Imagine having your accountability coach in your back pocket, not to mention community. The women that are inside this membership already are creating such beautiful community and support for one another. So if you have been craving accountability for your health and wellness, if you've been craving working with a coach, but maybe you're not quite ready for one-on-one coaching, I invite you to check out Thrive. Use the promo code podcast and get $10 off your first month. I will put a link in the show notes to make it super easy for you now onto the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the fit life with Jessica podcast. One of my favorite things is bringing you super special guests. So I am excited for today's interview. We are chatting with a new friend of mine. Her name is Kristen Brabant. And Kristen, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the crew. I'm so excited to be with you and the crew, Jess. So my name is Kristen Brabant
1: and I'm a women's business coach. So I work with women small business owners, as well as leaders in the corporate sector. And my whole mission is to help women leaders become rich and rested, both full package, right? Um, And I do that by helping women clarify their zone of genius and align their business or their career with their zone of genius. So positioning them explicitly in it 70% of the time is the goal and their calendars with it as well and their teams so that they're able to do the work that they love um, without burning out. And, uh, I've been coaching for the last 15 years now. Um, and before that I was a teacher. Um, so a lot of my work revolves around workshops and facilitation. That's when I feel like I'm in my own zone of genius. Um, but I work with clients one-on-one, I leave retreats, I leave workshops and, we'll, we'll dig into all of it. I'm sure, but I'll stop there.
0: (laughs) One of the things that I loved the most when our mutual friend, Sam introduced the two of us, was she was like, you're going to love her philosophy of rich and rested. And I'm like, oh hell yes, Yes. I do. Like, I don't need to hear anymore. I, I, I I buy it fully. Like, yes, we all, and I feel like we are all like this generation of women, this generation of entrepreneurs and career women, like we are we are the generation that is learning how to become rested right and how to take breaks and how to work less and and do less but still get the same if not more results like i feel like this generation is coming online to that thank god because we were all headed really for burnout now. if not
1: yes and i think we have hit burnout right like <laughs> i think a we, lot of us have yes yes i think i think a lot of us took the model of what created success, the modality to create success from our parents. And I know the inspiration for my work is my favorite human on the planet, my mother. And growing up, I watched her work three jobs. She was mm-hmm. a full time high school teacher. And then on top of that, she was a part time college professor at night. Um, so she would teach night classes for our community college. And then she started a candle business. Wow. And I was her assistant for 10 years helping her grow that candle business. And it was a network marketing company. And she was consistently, shit, you're not, Jess, number one in the nation. Like this wow. woman, you know, um, to have three jobs and be the number one in the nation, it she is exceptional. But that that is what she is. She's exceptional, right? And I watched. I remember um, her friends. I grew up in the suburbs, right? Friends would come over and we would be in the backyard and they'd have this like fat glass of Chardonnay and they'd swirl it around and be like, I just don't know how your mom does it. And I'm like, bitch, my mom doesn't sleep. That's how she does it. Like, look, I see this. You know, and she's got her like year old doctor filling orders, calling customer service, calling, you know, boxes of candles and crystal candle holders. It was the nineties. It was a time. I know
0: exactly what you're talking about. I feel like my mom bought those candles, (laughs) probably from your mom. (laughs) Diane Brayman was out there hustling. Okay. And I mean,
1: that's how she did it, right? She didn't rest. Mm. And my mom, because of that candle business, my dad was out of work and, um, my mom had to think fast. She had two boys going to college and it was a really big life goal for her to pay for our college. That was something she didn't get as a kid. And her mom was like consistently going through bankruptcy. And it was really important to her to help us graduate from college without debt. So she wanted to do it. But of course my dad loses his job. She's got two boys, 18 months apart going to college. And then I'm trailing behind And so she decided to pick up this side business and I watched and I, you know, that's where I got my like entrepreneurial chops was helping her grow that business for 10 years. Um, But I watched the sacrifice that she made and that job, that business put my brothers and I through college, but it came with a price, you know, and the price was my mom. Right mm-hmm. and her well being and her rest and her time for herself and I think exactly what you're saying about we're a different generation. I think we watched many of our parents do the hustle and then we get there and we we hustle and we're like this ain't it. You know I certainly used that strategy for yeah. my 20s and then I got to my 30s and was like something's got to give. Yes. Because it's going to be me otherwise. And it's too high a price. So I'm with you. That was my long winded way of saying, Mm. I feel you. I'm with you.
0: I love that 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 was your mom's, you know, saving grace in a way. Right. And like the example that she set for you. And that was even like before network marketing was. What it is now, like I feel like it's so commonplace now, and there's so many different opportunities. But that was really like one of the very first, one of the few. And and you're right. I mean, the way we, but there's something about when you're a mom and you just know you have to get it done. And she like, you know, when your back's against the wall, you're like, I gotta do this. So I admire that spirit in her and in any other women that are out there that your back's against the wall and you gotta do it. But so much of what you teach and so much of what I teach is really about like taking care of yourself in the process and knowing that you can't be last on your to-do list, whether it's your business, whether it's your career, whether it's your health and wellness, like the priority of us coming first has not been that narrative for so long. So it's such an important shift to, to talk about, but I want to, you said something earlier that I didn't know you were a teacher in your past life. So like, what is your, like, who were you before you were a business coach and like, kind of what 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 got you to where you are now? <laughs> my, I,
1: like, I feel like a, a little bit of a cat sometimes, like my past nine lives. And I bet a lot of us feel that way. You know, you look back and who you were at 23, right? The first job, like it's terrible, but yeah, I was a teacher and a lot of, um, a lot of my work has been in the, in the social justice sector. So I was teaching in, uh, in under-resourced high schools, in charter high schools, and for those not really familiar with charter high schools, the, the mission is really to help kids coming from under-resourced communities, so I worked in Oakland, and I worked in Boston, and these are kids where, um, they live with a lot of uncertainty and instability, like, Mm -hmm likely living with one parent or perhaps a grandparent and in very violent communities, not a lot of opportunity, very minimal access to health resources. Nobody's there when you get home from school to help you with homework. You might be living around a lot of drug activity too, right? Like very challenging circumstances. And, um, so I was a high school teacher uh, and I taught Spanish. So you asked who I was. I was Senorita Bay, um, <laughs> B. <laughs> and um, I, I taught juniors and seniors in high school. I was like maybe five years older than them. Right. Wow. Um, jokes, right. Jokes <laughs> about our humble beginnings. So I was like, one day ahead of them every day, Jess and um, I really wanted to. My whole goal um, from the time I was probably fifteen or sixteen was to just be an exceptional educator. That was my mission: was to be an exceptional educator. And uh, my grandma was a teacher, my mom was a teacher, aunt was a teacher, cousins were teachers. So public education, huge value system in my family. And after teaching in Oakland, I wanted to improve. So I went to get my master's in teaching um, in Boston. And I was working at another charter high school there, uh, living on food stamps, living on the third floor of the high school. Um, Like, let that sink in. (laughs) A place where I worked, I went up a dark ass staircase and I was like this little hobbit living on the third floor.
0: Don't, don't mind me. I'm just going to sleep here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What we were doing. Um, man, did I grow in, in that environment and I really learned, um, the art of teaching and crafting curricula. And I also was miserable. Um, (laughs) so I, I started getting all these diseases and illnesses popping up in my body. But that classic hustle in me was like, you know, just just work harder, right? Just push through. If you just push through, it's gonna get better, and it didn't get better. It got worse, and mm-hmm. I became a regular at urgent care, um, and you know, you live and you learn, and you know like, as a grown woman, you understand now, like, oh, your body's talking to you, and it has wisdom and it has intelligence, and my body was not talking, she was literally screeching at me, not this, right? Like this isn't it. And I waited until I had passed some major exams where they like chop the teachers that can't keep up from the program. And because I was like, I'll be damned if they push me out. I want to mm. walk out on my own to like hobble feet <laughs> out of this graduate program. And I passed those exams with flying colors. And then I walk up to my Dean's office on a Friday afternoon. And I was like, I quit, I'm done. And um, I finished out the year teaching, but then I had to, I had six months left and I had to think about what the hell am I gonna do? You know, my whole idea of who I was gonna be in this world, was an exceptional educator. And then when your whole life plan goes to the shitter and you don't have a plan B, that's really, I was terrified. Um, but as I got into the mode of figuring out what was next, um, that's a very thrilling place to be as well. And it really, uh, formed the basis of what I focus on in my work. I tend to work with entrepreneurs and women in the corporate sector that are at transition points, that are at forks in the road in their careers or their businesses. So on the entrepreneur side, somebody who has like hustle, 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 to get their business to this hundred thousand dollar mark, right? Or you know, $200,000 mark, and they want to keep growing. But what works to get you to six figures, low six figures is not what works to get you scaling. And also, you don't want to keep, you know, you don't want to be trading your, your energy and your time for money, if you want to grow your business, and you got to learn a different way. So like reimagining your business, that's typically where I meet people. Um, who have their own business. And then on the corporate side, I find myself mostly working with women who use the old strategy for success, used the like grind, grind, grind. um, And they reach this level of success that they thought was gonna be it in their twenties. You know, like soon as I get to that level Mm -hmm. at that kind of company, like I will have made it. And then they get there at the top of the mountain. Um, so I, I will typically work with women who are like director or VP level and they're miserable. Mm. And oftentimes it's, it's in your late thirties that you're there um, or early forties. And, you know, they have kids and you, you know better than anybody just how your life and your priorities and your time changes when you have children and yeah. your old strategy for success of like just work harder, work longer hours will not you'll 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 run yourself into the ground if you keep up that strategy to keep growing um in your career after kids. so
0: and you miss think, your kid's childhood too like you miss out on your babies being babies, which is the ultimate
1: like knife in the heart for a mother, yeah, right. No sacrifice bigger than that. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I help them figure out what's next and, and get them on that path. Right. But with a focus on being rich and rested and rich, you know, maybe we could talk about this later on in the show, but, you know, rich being an open term, that's not a term of like, you know, rich means six hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. no, right. <laughs> like oh, that's a big part of the work is what does rich look like and feel like and mean to you? You mm-hmm. know, and that's unique to you. It's not some dollar amount, um necessarily. So I'll pause there.
0: I totally agree. I think that I myself included, you know, working through money blocks, money issues, working through, you know these feelings of is it about money is it about time is it about like what does rich mean to you what does abundance yeah. mean to you and like not as a woman not being afraid to be like well yeah i actually do want the 650 a year yeah or also being okay on the flip side if you don't want that but you want you know comfortable living and a debt free college experience for your children like whatever yeah. that looks like for you like leaning into that and And calling that in fearlessly, I think is just something that we all should be working towards. I'm working towards like, you know, working through those blocks and it's, it's real, you know, it is real as women where, you know, we've been taught for so many years to, you know, to not want this or to not strive for that or to be smaller or to be quieter or to be this or to be that. Can't you just be happy with this? And it's like, hold on, hold Uh, on a second. You know, like where did that where did that come from? Well, we all know where that came from actually. (laughs) But like my body
1: contracts and feels ill just listening to you name all of those things because it is so true, right? We as women have absolutely been raped. Maybe not all of us. Right. But I think society really teaches women and I'm sure we got it from our parents too. And I had, I had some woke parents. Okay. They were hippity, dippity, like woo woo before it was cool. I love it. And I mean, I got up, I got like brought up in a non-denominational spiritual community surrounded by Catholics, like the whore when I described to them that, (laughs) (laughs) that I was not Catholic. And in fact, I was non denominationally spiritual. Like, so I grew up with some exceptional parents and even still, I definitely got socialization to please others right Mm -hmm. before thinking about me and what's safe and what I want and trusting my desires. And that takes time to strengthen that voice inside of you and really learn how to listen to it. And then take the big ass bold step of actually acting on the desire, right? Because we can figure out a lot of ways to try and quiet it or unknow what we know Right. Um, because it's scary sometimes. Right. Sometimes the knowing says not that person in your life.
0: Mm, yeah. And that's
1: terrifying sometimes, right? Um, or not that career that you just spent 25 years building and you're like, fuck you, voice,
0: you know. Right. I don't I don't want to hear this right now. <laughs> Thanks I'm good. Are you can't <laughs> like some say baby- that. <laughs> big,
1: beautiful house. And then the voice is like, how about a homestead with all of your best friends and
0: living simply? And you're like, screw you, (laughs) right? (laughs) We just got here. Can we just rest? It's scary. It's scary. Sometimes I, I would love for you to dive into a little bit more about your philosophy of being rich and rested. And you've got a framework that you talk about the five D framework. And I would love to like unpack that a little bit and share, you know, you talked about was really your mom who inspired this and like, what does that look like? Can you share a little bit more about that?
1: Absolutely.
0: So the idea of rich and rested,
1: I mean, it, Thankfully, it's kind of self-explanatory, right? But, um, you know, I watched a mom who sacrificed, rested in order to get by. And I, um, I want better for my mom and I want better for all women. Because what I really, really, really deeply believe at my core is that when women have more money and we have more influence and power, and we have more peace, which comes from rest, everybody wins, right? Like what women do with that money and that influence is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And we need more money in the hands of women. This world will be a much better place if we get more money and more power and more peace for women. And so that's that's what this whole rich and rested thing is about. It's not just some cutesy, like, you know, like earn more while working less type of shit. Like this is, I really believe that my work is about creating a global shift for the better, where we care more for the people on this planet, where we care more for our environment, where we care more for our communities. And that starts inside of our own homes with ourselves, right. And taking care of ourselves. And, um, the five D framework is about how to get yourself there. So my process for working with any client, um, or clients in a retreat about how do you, how do you get to rich and rested right? Because it can feel like we're really far off, right? When we're starting, it can feel like we're constantly anxious about money. Um, It can feel like we're sure as shit, not rested, you know, Uh, (laughs) anything but, Um, and we're stressed and exhausted all the time. So how do you get from that to rich and rested? And where I, the 5D framework is, is it's 5Ds, like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> no brainer there but there the 5 Ds are differentiate so the first step is differentiate your genius so where i begin with every single client or person i'm working with in a retreat is distinguishing your zone of genius and also all the other shit that you're doing right now in your business or in your career that's outside of of your zone of genius.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, cause that's a real wake-up call, how you are stretching yourself outside of it and really chipping away at all of your energy and your life force on these things that don't fulfill you, that drain you, distract you from your life's most important work. Um, and then we wonder like, why am I not putting more? Why, why am I so tired all the time? Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I even saw the other day that you had on a guest talking about uh, human design. Human Mm -hmm. design is actually very well suited to zone of genius work. So if people are familiar with human design, um, you, you're already kind of aware of how do you determine, you know, what you are, your natural gifts and talents and leverage those to do your life's work. So, your zone of genius, that first step. What I'm doing with a client is I'm helping them figure out what are these specific skills and talents that are natural to them. So, you're not exerting a lot of energy to do these things. They're probably skills that you have been exercising since you were a child, and they look different when you're seven than when you're. Thirty-eight. Um, you apply them differently, but they're the same skills. So natural gifts and talents that when you apply them, when you exercise them, you create extraordinary results with ease. Mm-hmm. And so this is where you're kind of seeing how the like rested comes to be, because if you're operating in your zone of genius, you're not wasting your energy on Trying to put yourself in this other mold or, you know, um, exercise these skills that aren't natural to you in order to make money, but really at the end of the day are unfulfilling, draining, uh, and you know, uh, gonna leave you not not so rested, right? So your zone of genius, when you're operating in it, adds energy manifold back to your life. So one of my zone of genius skills is facilitating. Um, And it can take a lot of energy. It does take a ton of energy to facilitate a workshop or retreat. Like I know I have to take at least one day off afterwards because I give a lot of energy, but the energy that I receive back, is abundant and manifold. So the first thing I would encourage people to do is to think about what are those natural gifts and talents? You didn't even have to, you know, be taught those when you were alone as a kid, what did you do naturally? What did you, what's piqued your curiosity? What inspired you? Um, You know, maybe you were always the one that friends came to to talk about their problems with, or maybe you were always the leader on the playground and you were the one who always organized people to play the games, right? And everybody naturally looked at you for what to do. Who knows Mm -hmm. what it is? I realized in doing some of my, I have a bunch of different exercises to help you clarify your zone of genius. And one thing I recognized in doing those exercises was I built businesses for fun when I was a kid. Like no one taught me to do that. No one said, Kristen, why don't you start a business? Like that is when I was left alone, which in the early nineties, you know, was, was plenty, right. Like (laughs) different time. Um, (laughs) I'd be like outside in the backyard with a sprinkler head and like, you know, figure it out.
0: Um, If you're thirsty, go to the, go to the hose (laughs) over there.
1: And when I was alone, I would start businesses and I built businesses as a kid. I I built a pet care business and I would roam around the neighborhood taking care of everybody's pets while they were on vacations or whatever. And I built this whole like babysitting and nannying empire too. So that was my play. That's how my brain worked. And that everybody has that. It's just doing I like to do a life review with clients. Mm, um, I love and that. Understanding, like at these different epics in your life, what did you gravitate towards? You know, what lit you up? What gave you manifold energy back for the energy you invested? And that is going to help you get a lot clearer on your zone of genius. So that's the first one. The second step is to dream, and so D number two is dream. And we start with vision, right? Before you start diving into goals and 30 step plans, you need to know where you're headed. So, in the dream phase, it's part um, tapping into your own desires, like we talked about, and your own vision of what rich and rested looks like for you, tapping into your own inner intelligence, Mm -hmm. and part education. So, I also educate clients on what are different ways that people run businesses or people manage their careers that are not so exhausting. Things like, you know, how do you create a four-day work week? Or I have a client who works three days a week. She runs a medical spa. She works three days a week. And her business brings in, I believe she's now at like 900K in revenue working holler. three days a week holler right? <laughs> yes and yes. why does she do that because she wants to be sitting on the porch with her early riser son um she's got three kids and one is always up at like the ass crack of dawn mm-hmm. and she wants to sit with her coffee with her son and watch the sunrise and not worry about work like That's she wants beautiful. to be there to raise her kids and like that's part of her dream. Right. And and we we made that happen together and, you know, there's different ways to rest. So educating clients on the options available, because sometimes we look around us and we think like, this is the way it's gotta be. And it's not true. You know, there are people that maybe we just don't know about them yet that are doing life and business and work differently. And it could really be fulfilling and meaningful to you to do it that way too. So, part education, part crafting the vision for Rich and Rested for You. And then we go into the third B, which is design. And that's where I get a little more granular. That's where my whole planner brain comes out and we craft these three major goals um, for your year. And we do a goal in revenue or income, a goal in Support and hiring because you need people. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to stay a solopreneur in your business, or you want to, you know, um, you don't need one more team member. On the domestic front, you might need help, right? You might need to be hiring childcare, the cleaners, yeah, a home manager, somebody who like schedules the damn dentist appointments and does the grocery shopping and organizes the toilet paper, you know, puts it away and folds the laundry, you know, like that just adds up. Yeah. So one in hiring and support and a goal for rest. And we craft those goals. And then with clients, I create a 12 month plan month by month by month, how we're going to get there. And then comes, um, delegate phase. And in delegate, we think about, um, how you're going to get this work. I create a shit list with clients. So a shit list is after we know your zone of genius, we determine all the work outside your zone of genius that you hate doing all the work that drains you, that distracts you from your life's most meaningful work. And we figure out what we're going to do with all that shit on mm. your plate. And, you know, the options are to delegate it and to whom. So we get clear on who they're going to hire, uh, automate it or deactivate it. So just get rid of it. Like, yes, I'm sure with entrepreneurs, you know, we see opportunity everywhere and we've got this laundry list of like, I, I got to start the podcast And then I've got to, I got to launch this course. And then I, you know, I really should be doing a mastermind. Everybody else is doing a mastermind and just like pump the brakes. And what are we going to consciously say? I am not doing this this year. Right. Put it in the parking lot. Right.
0: There's sometimes Um, it's more powerful what you say no to than what you are saying yes to. Cause it's so easy for us as women and entrepreneurs. Yes. Yes. Sure. Yes. Got it. Yes. I can do it. But like, there is such power and be like, it's not a no forever. Yeah. It's just a no for right now. And for me, I'm so glad you mentioned human design because when I learned what my human design was, I'm like listening to my sacral center. I'm the generator and my decisions come. Girl, from my I listened sacral. to the episode. I know all about you, right?
1: <laughs> and your two kids and what they
0: are. And we haven't done the husbands yet. Yes. Yes. Girl, you there. did listen. <laughs> it was so liberating to be like, Oh, like oh, okay. Like if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And it doesn't have to be no forever. And, and it's an, it's a no for now. And that's, that's how my human design works. And just like, but understanding the power and, and saying no, and not again, not worrying about who you're going to please not worrying about what your family going to think or what your so so-and-so is going to think if you can't do all of this, like, God, there's just such power. And I'm, so, I'm a huge fan of saying no these days. Yes.
1: <laughs> Right. You become, it's so scary at first, and then you just become addicted to it. And you're like, God, how many, how many rejections can I give today? You know, (laughs) how many no's can I throw out there today? Um, it's, but it's such a work in progress, you know? And, and I think something that I'm really cognizant of is oftentimes those ideas of what we could do and what we should do Occupy a lot of mental space that we're not even aware of until you do something like this exercise of what are you consciously going to say no to? And then the freedom and relief that you feel afterwards, that makes you conscious of like all of the head space and energy space, those possibilities or shoulds, right? Obligations were taking up in your brain and body beforehand. Yeah. It's astounding, right? So true. Um, so, and the last D of the the five Ds after delegate is to um, determine uh, where and how you're going to be spending your time. So, it's fine and well to create these like twelve month plans to hit your goals, but everything comes down to our time where are you going to consciously invest your time and where are you consciously not going to be investing your time? And you want to be rested, but like, nice to say on a, you know, January 1st, like I'm going to move my business to a four-day work week. Girl, you, your nervous system will be screaming. If you just like, shut down on Fridays and like do a, you know, year long 52, you know, Fridays off on the calendar hold, that's going to feel terrible to just Mm -hmm. go full throttle into it. So how are we going to gradually over time, um, build you up to these rest habits and the look of rest for you? Um, who do we need to, you know, the whole works, but the determined phase is about Consciously determining where are you going to be focusing your time and what will you not be doing? It's really important. Just like with the yes, hell yes, hell no. It's equally important to be conscientious of what I will no longer be doing, which mm-hmm. takes practice and takes energy. And it's not easy to reinforce boundaries. So I help them determine, you know, what does a rich and rested schedule on a weekly basis look like for them? And it takes practice and we, we fuck up most of the time. And then we eventually kind of make it habitual after a lot of work, like you do with your clients, right? You know, the process of change, um, it's not immediate, uh, but that's the five D framework, my dear.
0: I'm obsessed. I am <laughs> totally obsessed with this. <laughs> I'm like, I, I need I need all of this. <laughs> I need five D's. That's just what I've been missing. Right? <laughs> I need all of this. I'm, and I'm, and I so subscribe to like what you talk about finding your genius, discovering your zone of genius. Cause I feel like for so much of us, we have so many passions and we have so many talents and there's so many things that, like you mentioned, we were, you know, we gravitated towards as children, but really narrowing in. Number one, like, what are you really a genius at? And number two, like what lights you up and what makes your insides just like glow and like just feel yummy. Um, I think you mentioned that you have a freebie for, my I listeners do. that are to help them discover their exactly. genius. So I want to make sure we can link to that for sure. So if people are like, I need to know my genius, Kristen's right. got you. Don't worry. Right. If the heart is
1: palpitating and you're like sitting there with your coffee and you know, you've got like 20 minutes of just total, she's geared up. She's like, this is what's missing from my life. I got you. Um, It's called the discover your genius workbook. And it's the five questions that I Actually, use with my clients to help them clarify what their zone of genius is. It's going to get you on the path to clarifying your zone of genius. And there's a bonus question in there too, so there's really six, but like five is a much sexier number.
0: Yes, it is, so, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so it's it's those five questions about clarifying. You know, um, what lights you up. Where are your natural gifts and talents? What is the work that doesn't feel like work? Where, you know, what is creating, um, like creates the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction to amount of time spent? And what creates the lowest ratio of abundance and satisfaction to amount of time spent? Um, So clarifying both, right? And the whole name of the game is then once you're clearer on what your zone of genius is, what does it look like for you to perhaps reimagine your business or reimagine your career in a way where you aggressively position yourself in that zone of genius? You cut the shit Mm. and you focus your work and your offers you know, um, what you provide in your in your business or what you do in your career and your time in your zone of genius. And it is, it's life altering. Um it, it really is like that's that's one of the biggest things that makes all the difference for my clients. And if you look at the most successful people in the world, they aggressively double down on what they're exceptional at and they don't do the rest. Like if people want affirmation that this is worthwhile, look at the people that you admire. You know, maybe it's a Gabby Bernstein. Maybe it is a Brene Brown. Maybe it's a, you know, who knows who. Okay. And then try to look behind the curtain. These people are not operating by themselves. These people have teams. And what we normally pay attention to and aspire to be is the star, right? But look behind the star, and you're going to realize real quick that there is a host of people. You like Amy Porterfield, girl,
0: Amy we're working alone.
1: you know? Yeah. There is a host of people behind that star that make it possible for her to be in her zone of genius, and you want to pay attention to that. and And just start with one hire, start with one person, or or one, you know, um, five hours a week with an assistant, and start delegating out the work outside your zone of genius, so that you are able to dedicate more and more and more time doing only what you're exceptional at, and that's how you create accelerated results in your career and, and satisfaction and peace on the inside, doing what you love. Right. Yeah. What was the first hire you made
0: in your business? It's a great question. Um, it was, an and was it wasn't a good, and was it wasn't a good decision. Yes or no. because <laughs> <laughs> some people like, yeah. I did this and it was a horrible decision. Oh girl. The, the horrors of hiring it is it, if anybody is
1: like, well, but I tried, you know, and then, you know, it didn't really work out. Like, please keep trying because I think hiring is a journey. And if I could, you know, go back to the nineties and like join these women with the fat glass of Chardonnay with my mom, like with all of you, we would laugh our asses off at our hiring whores. Like yeah, when you make a bad hire, like shit can go south real fast. And, and I, and I've lived through it, but that's, that's how you get to be good at hiring help and spotting the right kinds of people that work best with your personality type and your needs and all of that. Um, my first hire was an accountant and, um, <laughs> I tried like doing this, oh man, scrappy beginnings in the business, Jess, but I, my first accountant that I did not hire was piggybacking off of my family accountant who has been doing our taxes for years. And he's like, Kristen, I've been with you since you were, you know, seven years old. Like, let me take care of your business. Homeboy fucked up my Uh, taxes so bad. It uh, took me four years with the IRS to undo the damage of what he did. So my next hire was you know, a lawyer and accountant to be, um, legally setting up my business and my business finances. And he was a wonderful hire, but speaking of zone of genius, like something that would always give me the sweats and like really bring up major fight or flight responses in my body was dealing with money. And if you're going to own a business, you have to look at money and you have to know your numbers. And, um, so a lot of my investments at the beginning were with accountants. And then as my revenue grew hiring a CFO, um, and I have gone through shit accountants and I have gone through brilliant accountants and I've done the bootstrapping off of Upwork you know, in the Philippines bookkeeper and, and actually she was great. Um, you know, I've gone through a lot of different iterations, but the first thing that I hired out was the way I thought about it was like, what do I avoid the most, right? That is hindering my success. So not just what do I avoid the most, but what Mm -hmm. is really going to make or break my success in my business but I avoid it like the plague. Um, What's that? And it's, it's all in the financial management of the business. And of course, over five years, six years of working with brilliant people in the financial industry, I became more comfortable with money. Mm. I became a lot more, you know, I, I get excited diving into numbers. Now I don't get the sweats. I love it, but that's, after years of being around people for whom that's their zone of genius. And then, then their comfort rubs off of on me. Yeah. You
0: know? I love yeah. that. You said like, you learn some of the most through the failures and I yeah. I tell my clients the same thing. I'm learning the same thing as an entrepreneur. It's like when you fail, that's when you learn. And it's not failing because failing to me is actually stopping. Failing yeah. is no longer trying and no longer moving forward. The fail, learn, pivot, redo. I mean, that can be applied to so many areas of our life, whether you're you know, trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to build healthy habits, whether you're growing a career, growing your business, like the failures suck, but man, are they necessary? Like, yep. fuck, you got to go through it. But they, yeah. you learn more in a failure than you do in a win.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and you like <laughs> the pain of that experience. Yeah, it's in your muscle memory, Yes. Right? And it really you learn fast through a fail. It's and traumatic, learn, right? <laughs> and and I think failure also has this funny way of bringing people closer to you if you're open about the failure. If you keep it close to your chest and you tell no one. Um, it can be actually a very isolating experience, but if you open up with people and say, "Like, girl, I'm gonna tell it to you straight, I ate shit on that launch. Really ate shit. You know, lost money on it. Whatever." People will start to open up to you and share. Girl, let me tell you about all my failed launches, and it has this really beautiful way if you'll be open with people about the fails, the the bad hire, you know, you thought you had it all together and then you hired your first person and they left, they quit because you were such a terrible boss, right? Who knows? People will open up to you about similar experiences of their own. And then you get past that like Instagram veil uh, that we all see where like all you see on Instagram is the big successful launch, Right. All you see on Instagram is that person um, you know, hosting a retreat in Bali. And you're like, oh, I want to host a retreat in Bali. Mm -hmm. What if you are not that girl's accountant, you don't have any idea how that retreat in Bali went down.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, like it it really cuts through image that gets projected out there of perfection when you Mm. open up with people about your failures and then they share theirs. And then you're like, oh, everybody is going through this, right? (laughs) Like this is not just, um, you know, Kristen or Jess not being good enough or not meant for this, right? It usually goes there when we fail. Like Mm, I'm I'm just not out for this or, you know, so-and-so is better at blank than I am. So that's why they're successful. All that dog shit messaging. We, we perpetuate it cuts through that. When you start sharing your failures with people.
0: The being human and yeah. sharing that vulnerable space, you know, whether it's as a business owner and I I hear it and feel it so much with other women when I'm like, dude, like I mess up all the time <laughs> with what I'm eating or what I'm drinking or how much yes. I'm doing this or when I fall off the wagon, which is the term I really hate. Right. Like just being honest, I'm like, hell yeah, I had a bunch of drink last week on my vacation. I mean, my trip. Right. Yes. Yeah. I stole candy out of my kids Easter basket. Do I feel like shit? You, yes, I do. But like you and you feel, uh, I hear this so much from women in the health and fitness industry where you feel a sense of like shame or you feel like a, I'm supposed to be perfect because I'm the coach or you're the business coach. So you're like, you've got, I've got to have this facade of perfection, but you're really so much more relatable when you share the humanness of eating too much candy or having pizza with your kids or going for ice cream on the beach. Like we're freaking human and whatever lens you are looking at your life or your business through. So it's like, can we just cut the shit and be real with each other?
1: Yep. And that's exactly like you said, that's what that's actually going to have the reverse effect of what we're afraid of. It actually makes people love you more, respect you more, want to be around you more. You're going to quickly rise as one of those people that they just like want to watch your stories every day. If you're the real person, we are so tired of the like, you know, Polly perfect out there, like snooze button, like that's yeah. not real. And we know it. And the people that are the most successful are vulnerable and yeah. share, you know, much more than just like that time I ate candy, you know, but like really share when God, they, they really fucked up, you know? Yeah. And then that's like, Oh, it's,
0: it's like soul balm for the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I feel that like so deep in my soul. I yep. feel that. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. This has been like the most like life-giving conversation. I feel like we could probably talk for hours. <laughs> I feel the same. I feel the same Jess. Oh, I know. I love it. I love it. I have some I have some fun questions I'd like to ask at the end of interviews. That are just little fun little quick fire questions. Um okay. one is going to be what are you reading right now?
1: Ooh, what am I reading right now? Okay, um, honest answer. I usually have like four different, you know, business books on rotation at once. I usually listen to my business books on Audible. What I am tactily reading right now though, physical book is a trashy ass. I love period piece romances like mm. Bridgerton. Okay. Yes. But I have been a Jane Austen fan since high school. I love these protracted period romances where you have to get through 350 goddamn pages for the first kiss. Like (laughs) sign me up. I am here for it. I'm here for the tension and the buildup and the witty, strong female protagonist. So I am reading, um, yeah, just some trashy romance novel it. that I love. It's called The Christmas Bow, which obsessed makes me cringe even saying it. It's so embarrassing. Like, I want to hide the cover every time I'm at the beach reading it because I'm like, oh my God, no one is reading this trash, but I love it.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. I do the same thing where I listen to personal development or business books on audible. And I tend to, or podcast, I tend to do that in the, in the morning and the first half of the day. And then in the evening, when I'm winding down, oh, I read the trashiest books. Oh my God. Yes. Like if it's a Tessa Bailey or a Colleen Hoover, or a, I think I'm reading the guest list right now by Lucy Foley. Like just give me some trashy or some like thriller stuff. Like that's what I want to bury my face in right now.
1: I want to get lost. please. Yeah. I want to get lost in somebody else's life. I am so over looking at my own life all the goddamn live long day. Like, please let me get lost in somebody else's life.
0: So true. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So what is your favorite food?
1: Ooh, what's favorite food?
0: Um,
1: hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. Um it's like
0: asking me which one of my kids do I love the most. It's like, I know. I love, I love you all.
1: That's such a good, that's such a good comparison for it. Um, My favorite food. Jesus, Jess. Um, okay, there are these. So side note to everybody. I live in Mexico, spoiler alert. So this is, this is a preface to this food. Um, <laughs> I live in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. I, used, I grew up in California. I have spent the last three years in Mexico. And there is this taqueria on my street corner called El Tacón de Marlin, which is like um, tacón, can be a double meaning like a heel, like on a shoe or a big ass taco. Mm. And these are these big ass fish burritos. It is a smoked Marlin fish burrito with the most delicious Chipotle aioli on it. And girl, when I want comfort food, we're talking Sunday afternoon, it's Mm. 3 p.m. Okay. She's sun kissed. She's exhausted. She's not gonna be cooking tonight. I go for my tacón de marlin burrito. Shout out to my guys at tacón de marlin.
0: I mean, you had me at aioli. I think <laughs>
1: no, so good. It's so good. That Just, sounds I'm amazing. Oh, go, let's get lost in some smoked marlin burritos together with a fat I, tortilla.
0: Oh, so good. I had a salmon wrap or something when we were at the beach and it had this like basil aioli in it. And it was the first time I'd had like fish with aioli together in this wrap. And I'm just like, I just like, can you just bottle this up for me, please? Like basil plus aioli. Like you Mm -hmm. have my heart of
1: the right sauce. It makes all the difference.
0: It really does. It really does. That special sauce. Oh my Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Now we're all hungry. All right. Last question for you. And this may be your like, when I ask this question to a lot of people, they're like, I have to think about, like, what would your perfect day be if you, this is you alone, no responsibilities? Like, what would you do in 24 hours? I'm like, shit, she's probably living that day, like, I don't know, all the time, because you are living the dream and part of IARTA with no chillin'. So you're like, you probably do this every day. So what would that be? <laughs> it's so interesting,
1: though, Jess, when you bring that up. It's like, yeah, being a coach that focuses on, on vision and and you know rich and rested yes is my brain always thinking about like what do i want and how am i getting myself towards that yes it is but we always want what we don't have and so a big part of my vision you talked about being childless is having a family and i have i have seen too much let's say that way i built i mean a, the major way that i made my money before i started you know um, graduated from college was nannying, so I have been I have potty trained, I have cleaned shit off the walls of other people's children, and still, I would like a couple kids, and um, you know I think my my ideal Saturday, my ideal like day, um, revolves around waking up, going for a long run by myself. I'm very competitive on runs. And so I, I genuinely don't like w- running with other people because I, that's my time to like be by myself, push myself. Yeah. I pray during that time. So go for a run, then go to the market. I love farmer's markets, pick out fresh fruits and vegetables and um, begin cooking a big meal that I invite my friends and family to. And, you know, in my ideal, like that would involve a family and I am in a very happy relationship, uh, really for Like this is, this is, this relationship's different than past ones that I really can see myself building this with somebody and, and living it. I think something that's important to me is always being cognizant of the ways that I am living it now in its own iteration. So like every time I invite friends over for a barbecue and it's a Sunday afternoon and it's sunset and we're looking out at the ocean and we're cooking, it's like, oh no, no, I'm living my dream. Like it's here. Right. And Um, but yeah, it would be that it would be gathering the people that I love, um, to eat together, to share a meal and everybody feeling more confident and loved in my, in my home environment. That's what I really, that's the effect I want to have on people is that they feel more sure of themselves and they feel deeply loved.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. That is so sweet. (laughs) It is true. It's like, you, you always want what you don't have, or, you know, the grass is is greener, but I think the nail on the head right there is like realizing that in this moment, wherever we are, wherever you are, where you're listening, like to, to see the beauty and the love and the gratitude, yeah. even if you want to change it, even if you have goals, even if you have things that are, you know, on your horizon, like to be able to be aware of that and to really just show some love and appreciation for where you are is so dang powerful. I love that.
1: And it generates more of it, right? Mm-hmm. When you, when you recognize like, yeah, sure. Maybe I want the, all these things, but like, what are the sprouts of it? What are the seedlings of it that are already present in my life? And if you're watching, you know, a damn seedling sprout, you're not going to go over and stomp all over it and say, you're not good enough. No, you're going to encourage it and nurture it. Like you've ever grown a garden, you look at that little tomato plant sprouting up through the green, you know, the, the dirt. And you're so excited for it. Why can't we bring that same energy and appreciation and excitement for what's ahead in our own lives to the little saplings coming through and say like, something good's about to happen, right? Good things are coming. Like it's already happening
0: and more and more of it, you know, is coming. Amen. I love that. I love that. Well, before we wrap up, tell our listeners where they can see and find you. And I'll be course to, I will link all of your IG handles and websites and stuff in the show notes, but where can people find you and follow you and work with you?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think the best place to, to find me is on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Kristen Brabant coaching. And you'll generally see me on stories being really sweaty. I like to run. So it's usually sweating on a run. Um, and then, you know, the behind the scenes of my business and working with clients. Um, and I have a lot of free resources over there and, um, I'm going to be hosting a one day CEO retreat. So mm-hmm. I, I am starting, uh, to host quarterly retreats. So when we all need a CEO day, um, to work on our business instead of in it, I'm beginning to make these a regular offering. And so I'm going to be hosting one of those on April 26th. I don't know when this will come out. Um, but it's a six hour all day virtual retreat with, uh, 10 women business owners. Um, and I walk you through everything you need to do to to review your business, to audit, analyze, and, um, goal set in your business. Um, and that'll be on April 26th. And the link to purchase those tickets will be in my Instagram bio. Um, and then there's also that freebie about discover your genius to get you thinking about, you know, what what are your natural gifts and talents? What should you be focusing your business on? What is that next direction for you in your offers um, or in your career that workbook will help?
0: Mm, I love it. Well, definitely make sure and give Kristen a follow and go check out all of your goodies on Instagram. You are, it's such a fun follow to see your life in Mexico and your passion. And I just want to acknowledge you and say like your energy is palpable. Like you, you're not sweaty. You're glowing. (laughs) You've got, you do have this glow and you just like the energy you bring. And I knew when we first chatted a couple of weeks ago, when Sam introduced us, I'm like, this bitch is a real deal. Like she, she is legit. So I just want to acknowledge you and and say, you're doing great work. And I really admire you as a woman and as a business owner. So thank you for your time. That goes both ways, Jess. And thank you for having me. It was a joy to be with you. Of course. Well, until next time, be well. Hey, you want to know how you can help me? Why don't you screenshot this podcast and share it to your social media? Tag me. My Instagram is at the life with Jessica. Take it another step further and leave me a review and a five-star rating in Apple podcast. It would mean the world to me. Thanks friend.